2: Hello and welcome to the All Stats, aren't we? Preview of the Palace Away game. I'm Darren Driver, and I'm joined today by John Mackenzie and the man we haven't heard from in a while, <laughs> tucking his way through a bowl of soup. It's Tom Alderson <laughs> himself. How are you doing, somebody?
3: I was going to say I'm very good, Darren, because the soup's actually very nice. So yeah, it's good. What soup is it? I know it's got brie in it, and it's green, so it's definitely got some sort of green vegetable in it but I don't know exactly what. Some but.
2: green green brie soup. Sounds sounds yeah. wonderful. Sounds wonderful, Tom. It um is. I
3: know I said we we're going to keep this tight.
2: Um but obviously a bit of soup chat never goes amiss at the start of a <laughs> podcast, does it? No. And cheese
3: cheese chat is always welcome on this podcast as well, isn't that it? That
2: is true. That's true, Martin. Riley particularly loves the cheese <laughs> cheese chat when that comes out. Tom, um, at the start of the podcast, please sacrifice a Leeds United sacred cow now. So that you can take away the heat from any controversial opinions that may or may not be expressed during the next 40 to 60 minutes. We've well, we ran out of cows ages ago,
3: Darren. <laughs> okay, cows, so there yeah. are no cows left. We've, <laughs> we've killed
4: them all. John, how are you doing, buddy? I'm all right. I'm not eating a green vegetable and brie soup but you know i'm
2: plodding along plodding along nicely okay good um that's that's a a good succinct check-in which i like so in terms of the news i don't think there's a great deal of news there is under 23s matches but they're covered in detail on the 23s aren't we podcast so it'd be remiss to start covering those in details now um in terms of premier league football the uh, teams below us are still shit which is good news and that's helping us but I don't want to live in a world where I'm even remotely grateful to Frank, Frank Lampard, even if I am grateful to him for being bad. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys. And we'll all be pleased to see that the transfer rumour mill is starting to kick into gear nice and early and uh, to mine and Tom's chagrin because neither of us particularly enjoy the transfer window, do we Tom?
3: I I completely ignore it um, because I leave all my anger to Halpsey because uh, he just gets annoyed at all the players we don't get signed. And then if we sign them, then that's when I start paying attention. Yeah, so
2: usually what happens is we sign a player and John goes, Darren, what do you make of this player? And then I base my assessment on the two, <laughs> two hours of scout research that I've done just before we come on air. Um, so that's always helpful. Um, so before we get to the guest interview, I've got a burning question. Uh, John, you said that Palace were going to be awful this season. And we, we, um <laughs> but um they haven't they're not awful they're definitely not awful um but are they any good what say you john mckenzie
4: yeah i don't know it's it's a tricky one they're certainly a lot better than i thought they would be um as i admitted in that interview um but i had them nailed on to go down so they're definitely better than the teams that are going down they've had a really good season in terms of recruitment I think regardless of whatever you think of Patrick Vieira I'm not particularly mad keen on Vieira as a manager Uh, I've never really seen that much that suggests that he would be a great manager but he's done a good job this season with a crop of players that are I think interesting Um, we knew that he had an old squad to work with well Roy Hodgson did last season Um, but they've managed to blend old and new together quite well. They brought in a lot of players that I suppose are sort of semi-risky as players like Michael Alise, for example. And then they brought in players like Mark Guehi and, and Joachim Anderson at centre-back. And it just, everything just seems to have worked um and i guess we'll talk on to we'll go on to talk about the tactical reasons for that whether or not there are tactical reasons for that but they've just sort of done everything in a really solid way and if you do things in a really solid way things tend to work out okay for you
2: yeah absolutely and before we get to the guest interview apparently there is beef existing beef between vieira and jesse marsh but here at all stats we we don't talk about the beef because we generally are the beef and that's a nice position
3: for us to be in I sacrificed the cow so I could bring the beef down.
2: <laughs> oh, of course. Excellent. Thank you very much for doing that, uh, Tom. What
4: <laughs> is the beef between them based on?
2: One of them was moaning about, I think Jesse Marsh was moaning about referees um, always giving um, Vieira's New York team free kicks. And then Jesse Marsh won that game. And then Vieira was like, oh, it's because he's been moaning about referees all week and got in the head, blah, 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 blah. And it's all quite dull really and proper football man (laughs) stuff which is why we don't want to get involved in it um okay so this afternoon john spoke to ruben pinder of joe about a good day out at the football as if anyone's ever had one of those um about a young and promising palace team and about being confused by his football team keeping possession
4: of the football so ruben hi how are you very well thank you mate how are you yeah not so bad it's a sunny day we've just had a four day weekend it's everything's great i guess it was less good weekend for for Palace fans perhaps.
0: It was a good day out, I'll say that. It was a good day out. The weather was great, atmosphere was great. Um result was not great, but you know, what well, I kind of expected that, so uh, it was a good day out, yeah.
4: Yeah, and I guess that staying up comfortably and having a decent cup run is probably towards the better end of the spectrum of possible outcomes this season, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the last time we got to Wembley was you know the 2016 FA Cup final, and that season the cup run actually really took something out of our league form, and um, we required some Jason Punch and heroics to to stay up. So to be able to stay up comfortably and get the day out at Wembley with everything kind of looking quite promising, you know, quite a young team now is there's a lot of reasons to be to be happy as a Palace fan, yeah.
4: At the beginning of the season, I had Crystal Palace getting relegated. Uh, But right now, 538 gives you less than 1% chance of relegation. And obviously, you also made it to that FA Cup semi-final. So what do I know? But it has been a really good season for you guys, hasn't
0: it? It has, yeah. It's It's been incredible, to be honest. But, I mean, mainly because nobody expected this to happen. So I... Too, was one of these people that thought well, maybe we'll go down because you, you'll remember there was loads of chat about too much change too quickly you know we had Hodgson and all of the old guard Dan Cahill, Sacco, PVA, Townsend like all of these players leaving um, so everybody quite understandably assumed like it would be too much change too quickly how do you do how do you overhaul the squad and bring in a new different style of manager like at the same time but Everything's kind of worked out because we signed the right players. And, you know, Vieira, there was a lot of skepticism around him because his time at Nice didn't end too well. But um, his man management style and his kind of balance tactics have suited the the squad really well. And um, it's been a really, really enjoyable season. It's just so refreshing to see us play on the front foot with a bit less well I mean not that the the team last season had fear but you know like we we take the game to other teams much more than we used to and going to Selhurst Park and watching us keep the ball for sustained periods of time instead of you know pumping it long to Benteke and inevitably losing the ball has been a really refreshing experience I mean it's a low bar but it's been a it's been a really enjoyable season yeah.
4: And in terms of the rest of the season now, obviously with the the FA Cup out of the way, what is it that you really want to see from Palace? Because you've set yourselves up for another season in the Premier League and I guess you're wanting to start thinking about progressing, right?
0: Yeah, I don't want us to end up on the beach. That's my fear now, is that it was all leading up to this FA Cup semi-final. If we'd won, then maybe we'd have some momentum to carry through to the end of the season and then a final. But... What I'm hoping now is the players don't kind of, not not down tools like they would intentionally, but you know how this always happens to teams who are safe towards the end of the season with nothing to play for, but there's still something to play for. You know, I want want us to finish above Brighton. I want us to recover from this setback and bounce back and end the season on a high. And I think Vieira will really hammer that message into the players. So, yeah, finishing above Brighton would be great, to be honest.
4: That's, That's kind of all I want now. In terms of the summer, presumably a fairly big summer ahead of you, you've done a lot of good work last summer, but you know, you can never rest on your laurels in this sport. Indeed, yeah.
0: Um, our main focus well, there's a lot of debate around what our main focus should be this summer because obviously keeping Conor Gallagher would be amazing, um, but he is going to be quite expensive and. The policy last summer was like kind of you know we spent more than we usually do. Like the centre backs Grahi and Anderson, they were sort of twenty million each. Elise was eight mil, which is an absolute steal. But do we break the bank to keep one player because he has been kind of integral to the way we play this season? Does he will? Would Chelsea even sell him to us? I don't know. But I would like us to maybe get him on another loan. I think we could probably work that out because he'll want to keep playing before the World Cup um, so that he gets into the England squad little bit more depth in defensive midfield probably like Luka Milivojevic was very useful when he came in that was now quite a long time ago not very good anymore Kiyate needs some Kiyate's over 30 as well so like and MacArthur's 34 so we need a bit more uh, depth and maybe like a young defensive midfielder to deputize there um, but Generally, I think we did most of our business last summer, so it won't be as busy as last summer because that was kind of last summer was making up for quite a long time of inactivity. Um, And now we've got more or less a settled squad. So a couple of changes, maybe. But um, I don't think it will be that busy, really.
4: Well, let's talk about the football itself. You've had a fair amount of time now to watch Palace under Vieira. So how would you describe Vieira's Palace to someone who's never watched them before? Well, there's a stark contrast to how we used
0: to play. So... If you were comparing this team to the Hodgson team, then it's it's obviously, you know, we play much more on a front foot. Um, We play a higher line because we've got more athletic centre-backs. But key principles remain the same. Like, we attack through our wingers a lot of the time, especially when Olise and Zaha are playing together. Um, And we still have that kind of target man's forward. So it's you can't really pin it to one certain style of play. Like, it's not uh, at either extreme in terms of, like, Park the bus or, you know, be Elsible. It's 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 very well balanced and it depends on the opponent. But um off the ball, when Gallagher plays, he's kind of the main reason why we can play the way we do, because he presses like an absolute monster. It's like he's got four lungs and the centre back's now much more athletic than the ones we used to have. So they can play a high-ish line and when the ball goes over them, they're both athletic enough to run backwards and, and get it. Um So, yeah, we we try to keep it on the deck until we're kind of in the final third, um, at which point Mateta's height comes in in handy. So traditional Palace, play down the wings, get the ball to Wilf, get the ball to Alise. But um, we're a lot more aggressive when we don't have the ball. And in terms of like just like Conor Gallagher, you know, going to press the opposition and everybody following him. But also uh, as a unit, we kind of play a bit higher than we used to as
4: well. Yeah, and speaking of of Conor Gallagher's pressing numbers, according to the underlying numbers, Palace of, well, uh, one of the top five best defences in the league at the moment. So what else do you think sort of uh, adds to that defence being so good this season?
0: That stat did surprise me, actually, when I read it. Um, but I suppose it comes down to the, the centre-backs, when they signed, the partnership they struck up, Anderson and ha has been an instant success. Um those two they complement each other well one's a bit taller than the other he is much better say um, he dribbles with the ball whereas Anderson likes likes a long diagonal so they kind of their their skill sets complement each other well um, Mitchell's come on a lot under Vieira um, I think I'm not 100% sure on the exact stat but he's won something like the most tackles in the Premier League this season um, which is obviously very reminiscent of when Aaron wan played for us. The main difference being Mitchell is comfortable with the ball, um, whereas wan less so. Um, and uh, to be honest, Klein coming back into the team, because Ward Joel Ward started most of the first half of the season and Klein got a run of games and um, has linked up well going forward with Elise, but also defensively he's been really reliable um, and as always Vicente Guaita does get us out of trouble sometimes like you'll remember, you'll remember that um, 0-0 draw against Man City um, there was a few moments there where we could have easily conceded Guaita pulled off like a mad double save so his heroics do come in handy but um, yeah it's just a, a, the culmination of being more aggressive without the ball um, from our attackers Get like Gallagher, Matessa, Zaha and having more kind of ag- agility in at the back, really, because part of the problem uh, last season was, you know, Van Arnholt would go forward and be caught out of position, and then somebody like Cahill would be dragged out wide, and these players just don't really have the the mobility to to handle that. Whereas now, when we do lose the ball. Um, the, the back five and Kuyate in front of them are much more equipped to deal with defending that sort of counter-attack.
4: Yeah, structurally, pilots have been fairly consistent this season. It's been largely a 4-3-3, three, three, maybe a 4 two, 3 one depending on the way that the midfield three stack up. But you did adopt a 3-5-2 in the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea this weekend. And I just wondered if you liked that as a tweak and if you think we'll see it more often. I didn't like it and I
0: don't want to see it again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of I kind of saw
0: the logic um Kiyote has played at the back for us, so him dropping into that back three with Anderson in the middle, in theory made a bit of sense. But then the knock on effect throughout the team was that you've got Ward and Mitchell playing as wing backs who are both, you know, primarily defensive full-backs. So that didn't really work because they can't carry the ball. They're not one, they're not quick enough and they're not good enough dribblers to carry the ball past the likes of James and Alonso and you know. Um and then in midfield <laughs> It was SA was and Schlupp were having to. I don't know. I it, it felt like one of them was always kind of left in attack, and one of them was playing in that kind of two v two. But then the likes of Loftus Cheek, Kovacic, Jorginho, like they were always going to win that battle. So it didn't really work. And then further up the field, it kind of made us really narrow in attack because Zaha was effectively playing as a second striker off Mateta. Um, so how we normally attack with sort of, you know, those two wingers and then Gallagher kind of drifting out to the right. Obviously, we didn't have Gallagher that game, which is why we kind of had to make up for his absence in other ways. It just didn't really work. I I saw the logic, but I think Vieira actually got it wrong, Um, which is, you know, everyone's allowed one mistake, ideally not in an FA Cup semi-final. But (laughs) um, yeah, so I don't think we'll see that again. He'll definitely go back to 4-3-3, especially obviously now Gallagher's
4: back. Let's talk a little bit about the Leeds game then, because you've mentioned earlier that Palace are doing the Palace thing of using their wingers to get um, to get an edge. And Leeds under Jesse Marsh have been very much about narrowness, largely defensively. Um, we've conceded a lot of goals through fullback areas under his uh, tenure so far. So do you feel as though your wide players are going to enjoy the prospect of Leeds? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it,
0: to be honest, I've not seen that much of Leeds under Marsh since he came in. But if that's how they defend and this is how we attack, then it does look like that could be a decisive factor, you know, because Elise's just come back from injury. He came on against Chelsea and, and you know, he looked more threatening than you than ever did. So hopefully Elise is fit enough to start um, and can attack down our right hand side. Same for Wilf on the other side. Yeah. Um, That's how we we naturally play. And if your defensive system kind of encourages us to do that more, then I'm sure that's what we're going to lean into. yeah.
4: And then I guess the other thing about Leeds under Marsh is that they do struggle a little more against teams who are happy to absorb pressure in a more defensive structure. Um, I guess my question to you is, do you think that Palace will will do this? It does sound as though they're playing a little bit more under the front foot, in your opinion, under under Vieira. But they do also seem like a team that can adopt a fairly solid structure and make it hard for teams to break them down.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean this would have been more helpful last season maybe, but the as I said earlier it's it's very balanced like it it's uh, opposition uh, dependent or specific how we how we approach these games. So if that seems to be the way to get at you especially as you know Leeds have so much pace on the break in like Rafinha, James and Rodrigo and Harrison. Um so we might be setting ourselves up for failure if we do go too front foot and yeah, we we can sit back if we need to like you know you've seen us take uh, points against City um, and not concede a goal against them this season um, through sitting quite deep and hitting them on the break. So while we do tend to approach these games against similar level mid-table teams by trying to dominate the ball and take the game to them, if that's one of Leeds' weaknesses, then maybe we lean into that a bit more and just kind of let. You know, because especially with our central midfielders, with Schlup and Gallagher, they're, they're dribblers, they're shuttlers, aren't they? They're they are not like the best passers in the world. But if if in transition they can break a line and release Wilf and Elise, then uh, that sounds like a good plan to me. I hope Vieira's listening. Uh,
4: in terms of the players who've stood out for you this season, who, who would you s- single out?
0: So uh, we've been through them uh, a few obvious ones. Uh, Gallagher, obviously, um, has just transformed the way we play defensively and in attack. Um, Mark Guerri at the back. Uh, I think he's still only 21 years old. Great signing from Chelsea. He's he's been given the armband a few times as well because um, you know club captain Milivojevic doesn't start. Macarthur's been injured a lot, so it's kind of gone between him, um, Zaha, sometimes Guaita, Ward. Um, but the fact that he's been captaining the side shows just how much trust uh, Vieira has in him and. He's so good with the ball and um in terms of like his communication with the rest of the defense, he's like a natural leader and like potentially if he if he moves on to a bigger club, I can see him captaining one of the one of the big boys. Uh so he's been incredible. And obviously, Zaha, people think he's maybe having a bit of a quiet season, but I think that's mainly because we're less reliant on him than we used to be um with Elise and Gallagher in attack as well to take a bit of the pressure off him. And he's having his joint most uh, prolific season at Palace, I think, since since he came back. So uh, with twelve goals in all comps, which, you know, isn't incredible, but it's not it's nothing to, to, to turn your nose up at either. So um yeah, Gallagher, Zaha and Guerri really, they they would be right up there with my as my player of the season candidates, yeah.
4: And in terms of injuries and suspensions, how are you looking in that front?
0: Well, thankfully, now that um, Elise is back, uh, we've only really got Nathan Ferguson as a long-term injury, which seems to be a permanent issue, which is very sad for him because there was a lot of hype when he joined Palace um, from West Brom. Will Hughes has missed the last couple of games with a knock, but um, hopefully he'll come back. So I feel like we could have done with him on Saturday and, you know, he injects a bit of calm into that midfield because he's a, you know, good tidy passer whereas you know Schlappen as I said Schlupp and Gallagher excel at different things so hopefully Hughes comes back he might not play though um just those two at the moment would you
4: like to take a guess at a predicted lineup
0: yes it's my favorite game um <laughs> I he's going back to 4-3-3 I think uh Gweiter in goal hopefully this is a, this is a hopeful lineup as well as a prediction I think Klein comes back in at right back um Anderson Gwehi Mitchell Kuyate at the base of midfield, Gallagher to his right, Schlup to his left, Elise, if he's fit enough to start, on the right, Mateta through the middle, and Zaha on the left.
4: And you've done enough of these conversations with me to know that I don't ask for predictions, but I'm interested in where you think the game will be won or lost for Palace.
0: Well, given what you said about how Leeds play and and you know what I've seen f- from Palace this season, I think probably in transition in in the middle, you know, if if Gallagher and, and Schlupp can break those lines with with dribbles and start running at your defense, which will then create space for you know Zaha and Elise to run into, then that will be massive. Equally, the the threat that Leeds have on the break, um, all that pace, uh, especially with the likes of Rafinha and, and James, I think. It will be. Uh, it it could end up being a bit of a basketball match if both teams kind of lean into that. Uh, those strengths that they have. Um, so yeah, kind of midfield transition effectively. Uh, but again, as I said earlier, not actually seen that much in March. What do you What do you think?
4: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that that Leeds are going to stand or fall on teams being open to transition against them. So if Palace, I think, sit a little bit deeper, maybe maybe are happy to absorb pressure and then hit on the break. Uh, in return, then, then, maybe they'll get a little bit of joy in that way. And also, as I've said, those wide areas are are always quite vulnerable. So if you have your creative players in those areas, then there's a good chance they'll get one v one against fullbacks and and be able to cause some kind of problems there. So it should be a fascinating matchup, really. I think
0: it should. Yeah, wonderful. Um, obviously, we've got between the us recording this and the game, we've got um Newcastle, so that will be a bit of a hangover where I, I hope we can just kind of get all the negative energy out of the way and then come back, um, come back bouncing against Leeds.
4: Well, Ruben, it's always a real pleasure having you on the podcast. What's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're putting out?
0: Follow Football Joe on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. If you're on there, um, see all of my latest work. Um, I've recently wrote a piece about how Zaha finally has a Palace team he deserves, which if you've listened to this, you probably won't need to read, but um Yeah, uh, Football Joe on all, all the socials. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much, mate. Always a pleasure.
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. I always like listening to uh to Ruben talk. He talks he talks very wisely about Palace and always um in a very nice, concise way. So we get we get a tight fifteen out of him and it's all good, tight stuff. So, Tom, what do you want to pull out of that interview to talk about?
3: So my main takeaway from the interview and it's kind of something we've been saying a lot this year. I think you even said it in the the interview, John. Um, is that does for this in this game, does Lee's getting anything out of it? rely completely on how Palace set up so do we need them to sort of come at us so we can hit them on the break or if they sit back and break us down I I think this will lead into your question a bit John but can we actually get can we actually break them down or not
4: yeah it's a good question Um, I think for us whenever we are going to get teams who try and transition or allow us to transition against them we're going to look more dangerous the big question is whether or not Palace are a team who are now trying to play on the front foot, I think, which I think is a phrase that Ruben used a few times in the interview. Um, but I think Vieira is going to be reactive to an extent. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see whether or not he is happy to uh, allow Leeds to take the initiative um, in a way that we've just seen Watford do that. And I thought Leeds didn't really generate much against Watford, despite the fact that we scored three. Um, so if Palace are going to be willing to sit a bit deeper, absorb pressure and then try and hit the channels in transition, then I think they could cause us some problems for sure. Well, they've got better players in that front
2: area, right, John? Like than than I mean, definitely than Watford. They've got some players who could genuinely hurt us quite badly um, in those areas. And we'll talk about a bit more in the tactical stuff. But I think that's why it's more of a concern for me if Palace do decide to set up like that.
4: Yeah, and all of the better players are in wide areas. And as yep. I stressed in the interview, if they can get 1v1 in wide areas with players like Michael Alisse, um and, and Wolf Zaha, of course. I don't know what's going on with Eze at the moment. He's been sort of kept on a, a little bit of a low burn. I don't know if he's injured again, but um, definitely they will try and work the ball into those areas and, and cause us problems from there. Tom, what's your hunch about how Palace will set up and approach this game? I I'm a bit, a bit
3: unsure because like. I would say earlier in the season, uh, Vieira might have been tempted to sit back because he knows that will cause us problems. But with, with like they've got nothing left to play for this year, so I kind of feel like they, I'm going off. I'm basing this on absolutely nothing. Back or just see them sort of maybe having a go because why not? Um, even though I think that would probably play into our hands more than if they sat back.
2: So, John, um, you've got a question related to the style of the game as well, because in the interview, Ruben mentioned the uh, the dreaded B word, basketball, um, that he thinks it might look like a bit of a basketball game. And you've got a question about how we'd look against a team that's sat deeper. So do you want to pick that up?
4: Yeah, I think, as I mentioned before, so much of what we do that comes off is based on the idea of getting the opposition to be running backwards towards their own goal and get the ball into that dangerous space between the centre-backs and the centre-midfielders and obviously if you're playing against a team who are trying to play progressively and get the ball into higher areas of the pitch there's just a lot more scope to do that Um, so I guess my question was about whether or not we think that Palace are going to allow us to do that, which we've, I suppose, sort of covered there. But the the other question then is, well, what do we look like when we are faced with uh, maybe two banks of four or a bank of four and five uh, and try to, to break those down? Because I feel as though teams who have Sat central have probably caused us more problems. In fact, there's quite an interesting uh, test case whereby, if you look at the teams that Bielsa struggles against, has struggled against this season, and the ones that Marsh has struggled against this season, there may be the the opposite way around So it's almost as though Bielsa Bielsa's uh, ability to thrive in wide spaces allows him to play well against certain teams, and then Marsh's uh, uh, attempts to play in central spaces allows him to thrive against certain teams. So yeah, it's tricky to read that one yeah
2: and if you come up against a team who um before I come to you Tom if you come up against a team I guess like Villa who aren't amazing but defended centrally but attacked us wide then then that's a real recipe for problems isn't it and it's it feels to me Tom like that might be Palace's recipe for for getting a result out of this game
3: I mean yeah that that makes complete sense and we know that they've got the players to to do that really it's like if. If they actually did sort of come at us and sort of play high, because I think um, I think Ruben did say in the interview that they actually have they have signed players like Guaihe and Anderson, so they could they could play that high line and that would probably suit us. But I haven't much from watching Palace. I've never actually sort of apart from the the City game. I don't think I've actually seen them set up in that way. Um, so it'd be it'd be I don't know if it'd be sort of unusual for them to go with that approach against a non-big team if it just just on the basis of getting a result
2: yeah because they might just fancy having a go at us right having said that they aren't that far ahead of ahead
4: of us on the points table right they are well
2: they've got exactly the same number of wins as us and four extra draws that's that's where that's where the effectively yeah i think i think it is four but it's definitely the that that race i can't remember if they played the same number of games as us um, as well, but um, but yeah, they've won the same number of games as Leeds this season, and the the I suppose the kind of narrative around the two teams is is very different, and that's that's quite interesting. But we don't really do narrative here, so let's not <laughs> get involved in that nonsense. Um, so, uh, in terms of the tactical stuff and the structure, um, on Monday Leeds will play a four
3: two three one again, right, Tom? Yeah, you'd think so. Um, I can't. I can't see any reason why it'd be different, really. There's, it's not like Bielsa where the formation would change to suit the opposition. Is kind of just Marsh wants to has found that formation to kind of work, so stick with it. I guess it is always worth saying that in various phases, uh, the ten will drop
2: into the will push up into the front space just to give that extra bit of wide uh, to to spread the width of the of the press that a little bit more. But that but basically, it's a four two three one. Um, John, Palace are gonna. Play most likely with the four-three-three, but perhaps with the four-two-three-one, which have played at various times in the season, as you, as as Ruben said in the interview. How do you think one or the other
4: might cause us problems, and and how do you what what shape do you expect them to set up in? I think these two formations are like very very similar, right? It's just a question of which way you're setting up your midfield. Three, you're going to have two back or one back. Um, I suspect they'll probably only bother with one back. I don't feel I don't feel as though they're going to feel the pressure of playing against Leeds such that they'll say, well, we'll, we'll drop two uh, more defensive players in. But again, it it depends on how the game flows because it can sometimes look very much like... Some teams will play defensively in a, in a sort of 4-2-3-1, which looks like a 4-3-3 in possession. So it could come down to how much possession they manage to have. And I suspect they'll probably have quite a bit. So I suspect they'll probably look like they're in that 4-3-3 uh, quite, quite a lot of the time. Um, in terms of causing us problems... I don't think yeah I don't I don't think that it makes too much of a difference um in terms of matching up with midfielders like we would talk about that a lot in the Bielsa um scenario because you know, in possession structure is a thing when, when you're Marcelo Bielsa. Um, but I feel that's less the case with, with, with Marsh. And so, um, it will be very much just a case of how they're going to end up getting back in transition in those defensive transition moments. And uh, yeah, it will either be to, man midfield with with someone in front of them or it will end up looking like quite a flat three probably in those situations um so I guess we'll wait and see but I don't think either one of them will make much of a difference to be honest
2: I agree and um, that's because formations are not tactics right they're, they're just the part of that yep okay um so in terms of the lineup <clears throat> as far as I can tell um only only Bamford and Tyler Roberts are, are still injured as far as I know Tom,
3: what do you expect the back four to be? Probably as it was last time. So, Aileen, Llorente, Cooper, Dallas. There's been talk of Firpo being back. I don't know how near he is, but I'd imagine it'll be the same.
2: I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And, John, does Phillips come in for one of forshaw or Click? You might notice that, the, that these questions are exactly the same as the Watford ones, because the questions are exactly the same as the Watford ones. <laughs> um, John, does does Calvin Phillips come in for one of forshaw or Click?
4: Um, I don't know. I suspect probably... Um, but then the question is who you're dropping out. I think we missed for sure in the Watford game, for sure. Um, I also like what Click does there as well. Uh, I'm not particularly fussed by any of those iteration of players, to be on, to be honest. I think the the, the pivot players are there to do a very specific job. I don't think the pivot players are going to really win or lose the game. Uh, in maybe the same way that that you might expect a single pivot in, under Bielsa to do that. So, what I'm looking for is you know decent defensive cover in the in the, the opposition's possession phase. Um, so covering one side or the other, depending on which side you're on, uh, and then. Yeah, helping the pro- progression insofar as playing fairly incisive, um, progressive passes through the middle. Um, in terms of when we have the ball, but um, at the moment it's just hard to say because you you know whatever we're, whatever is turning up on the field each week just doesn't seem to have much rhyme or reason to it. So um, yeah, it is what it is. But I suspect that Phillips will be played because I think that Marsh probably likes the idea of Phillips playing, not for any tactical reason, but because. Um, he does seem to value things that like like leadership and and more presence. so than that maybe just yeah presence yeah. yeah 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 which I don't really care about but that I'm not managing the team so and I, I think the other thing that I'd think about
2: is that the, one of the, the important things in that role I guess is that when the opposition are trying to get out like snapping into the counter press and I think all three of them are probably equally as equally as adept at that like pushing up onto the player snapping and trying to win the ball back so I don't even think there's a difference there I think probably the possessional stuff is what's largely different about those three players um, anyway um, so the fr- the front four will stay the same again Tom you would imagine so it'll be Rafinha James and then the other two um, <laughs> Rodrigo, and Har- <laughs> Ro- Rodrigo and Harrison <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah, completely
2: uh, yes.
3: the same. Okay. Those two and then the other two. <laughs> those two and
2: then the other two. So, those four players. And John, do you expect Joffy Greenwood or Somerville to get minutes in this game? Um and I, I guess the other thing is I don't think I've really heard you talk about Greenwood very much. So, I wanted to get what your sense of him is.
4: Uh, I think we'll see potentially all three of them off the bench. Um they seem to be our go-to subs. I can't think of, um, I guess you'll have the cover, whoever's not playing in, in the pivot role, um, potentially. But yeah, I expect to see maybe a big chunk from Joffy, maybe a bit more from Greenwood because people were impressed with him against Watford. Um, what do I make of Greenwood? Yeah, I think this system suits him. I think he'll probably play fine in it. I think people are maybe over-hyping him because um, of, of the Watford game. Um, and I think it's worth saying that Regardless of the result, the performance wasn't particularly impressive. So I think you should probably watch this space on, on Greenwood. But yeah, I do think that, that this system seems to get more out of him than Bielsa's system ever seemed to do, which is good. Tom, what do you make of him?
3: Yeah, I think he's he's done well. Like He's kind of gone from someone that I didn't really consider as like an option for the first team mm. to someone that comes on and you think like it's, he'll do fine. Um, I do agree with you, John. That I, don't, I think he's kind of sort of overhyped what he's done in his time, well, but like, cause it's, he's he's not he hasn't sort of set the world alight as I think people again sort of trying to suggest. But I think like he's done, he's done fine, and the system suits him better. So he, he just kind of hope he pushes on rather than just stays at whatever level he is at the moment.
2: Yeah, I suppose to some degree, like one-to-one physicality isn't as important in this system as as it would have been in Bielsa's system, and I think that's often where he got found out um, in that system. I mean, no, not that he played in, not that there was a big enough sample size of him under Bielsa to really make that assessment, but but yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Uh, let's think about the tactical issues. So um, they they're, they're going to try presses, right, Palace? That's part of what they do. They're they're likely to try do that, especially if they're not sitting deep. But we'll just go over the over the press, will not we, John? That's kind of what we do now, isn't it? We're pre- pressing worries us not anymore.
4: Yeah, I guess I don't know really how to answer this because again, it's it comes into that realm of there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to what we're doing at the moment. So sometimes it, it looks as though we're trying to build up in wide areas through the full backs. Sometimes it looks like we're trying to move the ball between the two centre backs to try and find that space for a pass through the middle and at the moment I don't really know what to expect. Now we just had obviously 15 days I think between the two games Um, you would hope that there was some sort of tactical work done but it does feel as though the players have been on holiday for a good 10 of those days so maybe maybe only now getting to that that side of things so it'll be interesting to see if we feel as though there's any um uptick in terms of the tactical side of things in terms of the playing over the press well I don't know if I would call it that so much as there's not so much urgency to possess the ball um so i i think there's a difference between that and actually sort of structuring um balls in behind in a in a sort of tactical sense um the sense that i've got so far is that we are just we would just rather lose the ball by playing it long than turn the ball over in our own half and i think that's slightly different so it's a difference between a long
2: pass and a long ball, right? So it's just a, a ball into a sort of vague area is very different from something which is a considered pass into a, into either a, a run or into into a clearly defined area of the pitch that you're wanting to press into.
4: Yeah, I think so. But even so, like, if even, even teams who kind of think, well, we're not going to possess the ball, we're going to shell it into a channel... I feel as though there's a little bit more structure there than sometimes we see with us. And it felt against Watford that just a lot of the time the ball was being hooned into areas where there was just no chance of anyone being there, rather than rather than the opposition. Uh, sorry, rather than Leeds having a, a sort of calculated attempt to get to those long balls. So it's something that you and it's something you see a lot from Marsh teams. To be fair, like a, a fullback being put into pressure and then just hitting the channel and they're being because you're playing central largely just no one picking that up and so you're essentially just giving the ball back to the opponent at that point and saying we would rather the you had it and we sort of um gambled on being able to win it back and then generate something more dangerous that way
2: tom that question that john's just raised was on the running order that, that there is two games um Two weeks without a game that we've just had and, and no international breaks. So all the players have, have largely been either around the club or could have been around the club. And that's a third of a pre-season, right? And everyone go talk is talking about after a pre-season, things are going to be better. And we on this podcast, we've been talking about um, wanting Leeds to commit more to the Marsh style. Um, because that's the only way that things are going to develop instead of this hybrid system so how much closer do you think we're going to be on Monday to to
3: something that looks like Jesse Marsh's football? I don't think we'll be like much nearer to what Marsh's ideal version of whatever his tactics are I just for me it might be more that we've moved further away from Bielsa's football um, because like that's ca- what what I kind of took from the Watford game was that it, we weren't doing anything, but it was it wasn't the Bielsa stuff anymore. Um, which so because a lot of the players well, they were I think they were all away. Like I think some of them were still away Monday this week. So they've only really had probably what five days to sort of get. So I don't I don't think there'll be much tactical work there. So yeah, I, I just I don't see us suddenly looking like a Red Bull team or something um, since the last game.
2: Okay, well, getting back to the specifics of the game, John, they're a bit more patient on the ball than they were under Hodgson. Can we get at them with a press, do you think?
4: Yeah, again, it's hard to know. I think it's worth distinguishing between two presses. We have our high press when the opposition have the ball and I've not really seen any sense that actually teams are struggling under that high press. Um, We saw that happening against Leicester in the first Marsh game and I think very quickly um, it, it, it... was obvious that we had to try and possess the ball a bit more because we were so open in those high pressing phases and then the other thing is the um the counter press when um you're particularly when you're um attacking so again i think that's worth distinguishing because in the high press you're trying to funnel players into wide areas to win the ball back and attack from there. So it's sort of a counter-press, but it's a bit more structured. It's a little bit more man-to-man. You're just trying to make the opponent make mistakes, win the ball back, and then counter-attack from there. Um, but then the counter press that I think we engage in when we're going forward is much more structured around getting the ball centrally, uh, and then having a good off ball structure that allows you to then counter press and then carry the ball further forward when you do that. So it's, it's almost like rugby in that sense that you, you're, you're, you're trying for territory and then you have these breakdowns and you're hoping to get, come out of those breakdowns with the ball, gain a little bit more territory, have another breakdown and then carry the ball again. Um, and I think, yeah, again, that's not, not been a hundred percent great. And I think that comes down to the, the big arguments that we've been having about whether or not you can try and possess the ball in wider areas and, and play that style of play. Um, I made a video last week looking at that uh, and, and tried to stress that, you know, teams like Liverpool are able to play wide. Um, expansive football with a counter press because the counter press is achieving a different end to what the counter press is achieving for Leeds. Uh, I did see Joe Donoghue had written a piece on the pressing numbers um, for Jesse Marsh because he uh, noted that the press success rate was higher under Jesse Marsh than it was, I guess, it was under most managers. And I just have a huge problem using pressing data generally as a, as a sort of indicator for performance, not least because I think people generally. Um, sense that v- uh, volume of pressing numbers is a good thing um, and I, I i just think that the data is way too noisy so for example most of the time when you're pressing above 200 pressures pressing events in a game that's usually a game where you've been battered so most of the games where we've been turned over by large scores we've generally under bielsa would have large pressing numbers as well uh, and then in, again in terms of Pressure success. Uh, it's worth saying that pressure success means that the ball is turned over within, I think it's ten seconds of a pressing action, or maybe five seconds. I can't remember what it is for StatsBomb uh, and the FBF data, which is what Joe is using. But again, there, like if you're playing a formal football like Jesse Marsh is, which is super transitional in the sense that you're happy to give the ball back to the opponent what you're seeing is transitions the the turnovers of possession happening more frequently and so generally that just means you're more likely to have successful pressures because um, if there's a pressing action and then the ball changes hands that's considered to be a successful pressing action Um, and it may be the case that the pressing action wasn't a particularly good pressing action it's just so so been the case that um the the ball has turned over because of the way that the games go um so yeah i just think that all of these things just need to be taken with a bit of a pinch of salt and for me the best test of pressing at this point in time with the sample size of games and with the fact that pressing data is so noisy the best thing to do is just watch the pressing actions and i think if you do that there's not a huge amount to recommend these these sort of games as um, examples of good pressing practice. So um, that's not to say that it won't get better. I think it, I'm sure it will. Um, but at the moment, I just don't see a huge amount from the off-ball stuff that really makes me think that we're doing something particularly good. But John West, stats dweebs. We don't watch the match, do we? <laughs> we?
3: We just look at it on spreadsheets, right? That's... <laughs> uh, we're hated by
4: everyone. <laughs> hated, adored, never ignored. <laughs> that's us, Darren.
3: Uh, you, John, you did talk about that in... One of the editions of the newsletter we did this year about the stats, the pressing numbers and how they don't necessarily match up. Um, I can't remember which one. I think it was like October or November if anyone's actually interested. I'm not. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> So um,
2: thinking about that, that some of the pressing stuff and some of the stuff which links to the pressing stuff. so uh, Zaha and Alisi Tom, right, they're going there are going to be some properly smelly moments in this game for us, especially if we can't get the counter press right in this game. How do you see that going?
3: Yeah, I just think with every game under Marsh we've seen them cause problems out wide. And then a team like Palace who focus their attack out wide, have good players out wide, a lead team that's gonna counter press probably isn't gonna work particularly well because the players have been in Portugal for a week. Um, yeah, I just don't see it ending well. I think that I think it could be why we end up seeing Phillips playing, just in the hope that he can clear up some of the smelly stuff that goes on out there. Um, even though I'm not sure, I think I'd prefer to see four shots so we can actually try and hold the ball. But yeah, I don't think it's going to go very well for us with those players out wide.
2: Ooh, John. Well, if they play a higher line, that's going to give us some chances to get in behind them, right? That, like, I think that's that's a that's one of a, one of our better chances of of getting some attacking success in this
4: game. Yeah, for sure. Um, the question, I suppose, is whether or not they're going to play a high line against us. Yeah. Um, which uh, yeah it's it's hard to know as we've we, as we've said like how do had a palace come out against a team like Leeds where and, and something i think we saw a lot last season with Leeds as well which is that teams generally don't play reactively against sides who are below them in the table uh, and it's quite a hard thing to do i think there's a, there's a sense of pride probably with managers being like well we don't want to take this team too seriously we should be able to play are in possession stuff well enough that the uh, out of possession stuff isn't so much of an issue when it comes to the opponents. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how Vieira comes at this one. Is he going to be willing to accept that sitting a little bit deeper might might work out for him? And um, I'm just thinking back to the the Palace game, uh, the first fixture. Now, I'm not sure that we we're going to learn a huge amount from that, but um, I felt like Palace didn't look that dangerous against us in that in that game and um, we were we were maybe a little bit fortunate to get the the three points but um I wonder how it will look in this iteration with with maybe the conditions being reversed with with centrality being being the, the key now rather than width. Yeah. How do you expect the game to look? What do you expect it to look like when you watch it, John? <laughs>
2: I really like asking you that question. Yeah, I
4: really don't know. I don't. I don't want to try and speculate too much, but I, I expect that what Palace are going to try and do is is get the ball to their centre midfielders and and then hit the wings. Um, so they'll try and break the press, get it into a central space, and immediately get the ball in behind the fullback area, um, because I think the way that the 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 high press is structured for Jesse Marsh teams is that the fullback on the ball side has to press up onto, um, onto the wide player and the wide player can drop right off, create space. And then it's just, you're sort of creating a channel which is only really patrolled by the, the ball near centre back. And I think we'll see that. We'll see, we'll see, um, the, the fullback get pulled out of position and then Palace just trying to find those balls in, into that fullback area. Um, as, as for Leeds, I think we'll, yeah i i just i don't know like maybe we'll maybe we'll be super red bull um focused and we'll try and get the ball through in central areas but I suspect it'll be more of what we've come to expect in in under marsh this season so far which is um you know the the team sort of doing largely what is right in their own eyes in terms of the possession side of the game uh, and then inshallah, a little bit in terms of the off-ball stuff. Um, so it's just super hard to, to really judge it. And I'm sure it will go either really well or really badly. It will be one or the other, and I'm sure people will say we got it wrong whichever way we say it's going to go. So, <laughs> Okay, good stuff. So, Tom
2: Alderson, where will the game be won or lost?
3: I think it'll be, to link back to the, probably my first question, I think it'll be with how Palace set up. Um, if they come at us, I think it plays... To our Well, it probably plays to their strengths as well, but play to our strengths a bit more um, and that will give us a better chance of winning. Um, but if they press us high, then there's also a chance that we can't retain the ball because Watford didn't have to really press for us to lose the ball. So if the team presses as well, probably not going to go very well. So I think the sort of the flow of the game will be dependent on Palace really more than Leeds. I don't know how that will affect the winning or losing though.
4: John? Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's fair. If they can control the ball in possession, and that's not just by possessing the ball, that's winning the ball back after they lose it and preventing those balls over the top, then then I think they'll come out on top. Um I think it will depend on how well Leeds are able to defend in the in the fullback areas, and then I think it will depend on whether or not any of those, you know, balls over the top fall for us. Um because we're definitely trying for that at the moment, but yeah, it's not been really coming off that much.
2: Is there an element to which this game is decided by who's got the, the most superior automatic weapons in front areas?
4: Yeah, but I, I guess that's, that's sort of the reality and I, I suppose maybe one reason why Palace have done so well this season is that they do have those sorts of players who can make a difference uh, per as per the rest of the other teams at the bottom of the,
2: the league, which don't. Yep, and that's partly why we've just about managed to keep our head bobbing above water too, right? For the, for the yep. same reason. Yep. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. So there's been loads of stuff coming out on the the uh, Patreon this week. So we've had the 23s podcast. John, you put out a great video about the about the the counter press and the, and the um, the hybrid system. And today, I was very pleased to see. Um, for someone who's not interested in the transfer window, I really really enjoy this podcast series because I'm not I'm not a I'm not really into scouting as as uh, well. Not into it actively. I like to listen to you talk about you and Hobbsy
4: talk about it. So tell us what you did on Arthur's list today yeah focused on strikers it was good fun um there's quite a few fun strikers out there that are potentially gettable so we had a good old chat josh and i today so that is live now as well yeah excellent and tom you'll
2: be putting out a newsletter as soon as you've managed to drag some words out of me (laughs) drag some words out of you
3: drag some words out of adam finish my soup then that's that's the plan
2: (laughs) excellent excellent well after you've played tennis right yeah
3: that as well Yeah. yeah okay good good well enjoy
2: fitting that in We'll be back on Tuesday with a review of the match. But until then, enjoy the game and have a great week.